Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Miss Robin Devine here on the social network. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. Well, I came across you on LinkedIn and Black People Trip too. And I said, I got to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. How did you Those come up with this? Things. How did you come up with this? Um, yeah, because. Um, well, I found psychedelics about two years ago, um, just for my own mental health. I was looking for um, something different and uh, I found psychedelics, but then I couldn't find any black people. And I was like, where are the black folks? So I made a space where we could kind of find each other. So that was it. I, I saw a need and I created space for it. So. And why do you think it's not as prevalent in the black community for psychedelics, or at least like, at least that I can't see, or maybe that public can't see it all. Yeah. I think there are a few reasons. Um, one is our history with drug use, and like the war on drugs, which were very, was targeted towards black and brown folks. So, you know, we're not, we're very drug averse because we go to jail more often where um, it's criminalized for us more heavily. Um, so we're kind of, we, we tread lightly with drug use of any kind. Um, and let's see, why else? I think just, I don't know why we don't know about it. I think mainly it's just the 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 war on drugs is a big part of it. Um, there are other reasons that right now are escaping me, but that's the main one. So yeah. I mean, is there an access issue that you know? Obviously, like it's currently still very illegal in a lot of places, but especially with underserved communities, uh, I would think access is a a certain issue for anyone, but certainly for you know underserved communities. Yeah, totally. Access is as the, always an issue with, with us. Um, so these things can be very expensive. You know, the retreats can be three, four or five grand. Um, a trip sitter can be a thousand bucks for a session. So it can be costly. So that is another reason that we're uh, kind of boxed out yet again of, of these medicines. So I'm trying to change that, though. So tell me about Create your experience. And more. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. So like my first time. Yeah. Trying it, just to kind of overall. It's your first time yeah, trying. So, I love people's um, stories. Yeah. 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 So like I said, it was um, about two. So it was 2020. Um, pandemic had just set in and uh, I was already really depressed, but that just made it like 10 times worse. The isolation, the lockdown, all of that. Um, and I was in therapy. I was on like, I think at the time, five psych meds and I was getting worse. And so I said, well, that's not, that's, that's, I got to find options. So I went to Google, um, said, what do you got? They said, mushrooms. I said, what are those? Did my own homework, because uh, I didn't know what they were. Um, found a guide through a connection online. Um, went to her place in New York, which was about four hours from me where I was at the time. So I did a road trip to go see her. Um, gave her my rent money for the month because I was desperate. You know, she was only one that I could find. Um, and I did MDMA and mushrooms for my very first trip. Had no idea what I was doing. Um, she didn't give me any information. She was just like, 
she was she was a terrible guide, but the medicine was really cool and beautiful. And the experience um, was the first time that I felt like self-love ever in my entire life. And from that point, I was like, I was hooked. I was an advocate for psychedelics. So she was terrible, but the medicine was just what I needed. So, yeah. Wow. What an honor to hear that. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah. And what was it about it that made you feel self-love for the first time? What did you gain? What did I gain? Um, I gained like an opening in my heart, like an expansion that I hadn't felt before. Um, and it was like this acceptance from just a feeling of like, yeah, I do belong here. Yeah, I'm an okay person. Yeah, this is, I'm doing okay. It was just all of that in like one ball of love like mdma is a total love drug and just opens up all of this in the most beautiful way so it just gave me a really um just opened my heart up in, in, a, in a new way that was so cool so what so how did you integrate that into your life right after you did it what were some things you did you know i actually didn't integrate because i didn't know what integration was at that time I didn't, I, she, I had, I didn't, I was brand new. So I was like integration, I don't know. So I just kind of sat with those feelings on my own and you know, did my journaling. And um, so I didn't really integrate that trip, but when I did trips down the road, I did integrate more. And um, so I started going to groups and circles, you know, with other people to process and um, really sit with what came up. So, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Everybody has, I think, a different experience, but it's generally very positive that people have with with psychedelics. Where do you how can there be more access or just a larger following of, of black and brown people or a, a different ethnic people to become a bigger part of this community? I know you're what you're doing is trying to do that, but how can that space be filled more with people that look like us? You know? Yeah, I think it's happening, and which is really cool to see because I'm seeing more people that are creating spaces just for us, you mm. know. So um, I'm seeing more retreats that are just for you know black women or or you know black and brown folks. So uh, I think it's happening, um, and I think we need more education, um, which is what I'm trying to do. So I, I do a lot of community outreach where I go to people's neighborhoods and just do small group info sessions and tell them about these medicines because I think the one of the barriers is and it was for me we don't know about it that's the first thing we don't because I didn't like I said I didn't know what a mushroom was before two years ago so I think education and then people like me creating spaces for us and I think we're on the right track so I think so I mean there's a lot of stigma to to I mentioned it about drug use Mm -hmm. The difference between looking at it as a drug and looking at it as a medicine. Can you delineate between that in your mind? Um, huh, can I? You know what? I, no, I can't. Because <laughs> in my mind, it, in my mind, it, it's all, they're all the same. All drugs are medicines of some sort. Um, I use the word medicine because people find that more palatable sometimes. So that's why it was why I use that word. But I mean, drugs, at the end of the day, they're all just chemical, chemical compounds. And it's, it's 
people that have attached like this is a good drug, this is a bad drug. They're they're no good or bad. They're just drugs. But I use medicine because people can sometimes hear that more than drug. You know, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, I think they're all just they're all chemical. They're compounds. That's it. Yeah, I think your language is so. Like you said, it's palatable to say it's medicine or it's a molecule or that mm-hmm. it, um, it's, you know, that this thing may grow from the earth. It makes people feel like this is more okay than something else. Or if you call it this versus that, it has a different connotation to it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Like when I first got into this space, psychedelics, um, you know, I very much had the stance of, well, psychedelics or mushrooms are okay because they're natural, same way cannabis is natural. Um, but like heroin or like meth, uh, I don't know. But then I read um, Dr. Carl Hart's book, Drug Use for Grownups. I read that. Where he really broke it. Yeah, it was that changed my whole perspective. It's like, no, there, there's no morality when it comes to these drugs or medicines or whatever you want to call it. They're all just how we use them. It's what makes them, you know, harmful or helpful. Um, so that was a good book, actually. It's a very different book. Yeah, definitely. That's a good way to put it. Yes, it is. It's a different <laughs> book because you, when you read it, you're like, "What's happening here?" Like, it's a shift. Yeah. You know. I mean, to read a, a about a black man, a doctor, openly sharing about his heroin use, um, not as a drug addict, but as a way to uh, supplement his own well-being was transformative to me, you know? So the, yeah. all the morality and right and wrong and good and bad is just from, from humans, you know? It's, yeah. What do you think about, um, how I want to say, it's like basically like psychedelics for well people. I mean, everybody has something they're dealing with, but I think <laughs> we've attached a lot of psychedelics to, and, and rightfully so for people suffering from different issues, depression, PTSD, um, mm-hmm. all these different things. But what about med- medicinal use for well people? People generally feel good. Yeah. They just want to have a yeah. different, be more enlightened about their experience on earth, you know? Here's the thing. I support drug use across the board, whether you want to use it for mental health, for self-exploration, or just for fun and recreation. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, whatever, however you want to use it, I support it. You know, um, I think it serves a purpose um, for mental health issues, um, for people who want to, you know, do energy work, but aren't really unwell, just want to learn more about themselves. And also people just want to have fun. Like it, it serves a purpose for, for everybody who wants to, to use them for whatever reason. So, yeah. I feel and like again, the- it's that morality. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Go ahead. no, no. I feel like the fun portion of it is something people don't necessarily like to talk about it. Like they almost always preface it within like this is for an issue that I have. Again, this is a good right. thing for that. But it's like if you talk about what I just did because I want to have a fun Friday night, like yeah. it's like almost like, well, there's nothing wrong. Like, why? Like, well, can I just have a good time? <laughs> like. I mean, again, it's that, I think it's that morality piece that ha- like tied to it. Like, well, I use edibles, but only for like anxiety and sleep. Right. And it, whereas I do use that for like, sleep at night, but I also do it for fun too. Cause that's, it feels good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm very open about, I enjoy drug use of all kinds for different reasons. Some for mental health, some just to have a good time. 
Yeah, I have a like a people. Yeah, I have every Friday ritual. I have every Friday ritual that I had taken edible and I just love it. I just do it just for fun. Just because I think it, I feel fun. I laugh a lot. have a good time with my family. I watch some movies, line up my snacks. It's incredible. Who doesn't want that? Like, yeah. (laughs) I think people are so tied to like, we we, we can't do this because, you know, can't just have fun. No, you can't. You can't just have fun and do it for that. So I support it across the board. Yeah. That's cool that they share your ritual. I love that. Well, I think, you know, it's certainly very important for people who, have, who are suffering from very difficult things. I mean, we know through the medication industry, pharmaceutical industry, there's so many difficult things about certain medications that, you know, terrible withdrawal, um, you know, price gouging, all this stuff. And, and, you know, you could have something, let's say like an edible that is relatively cheap and gives you a long lasting good feeling. Uh, but it's not the severity of some of these pharmaceutical drugs that are really nasty for people in many ways, you know. Oh, God. So, I mean, like I, was, like I was saying earlier, I was on five different psych meds, mm-hmm. and I, the turning point for me was when my psychiatrist said, now, if you start feeling more suicidal, let me know. And I was like, more? Whoa. That's, what are these things doing to my brain and my body? So that day I, I stopped cold turkey. Don't recommend that, but that, that's what I needed to do for me, for my wellness. And um, yeah, no, they, I mean, if they, folks have to find what works for them. And if that's, you know, pharmaceuticals uh, from Western medicine, then do that. But that isn't for everybody. And I want folks to have to, to know that there are options out there, you know, because I, I didn't know that there were options and I felt very boxed into, you know, one Western may one westernized way of getting better when there are so many other ways available to us um, that we didn't know about. So. Why do you think this is happening now that more people are like this feels like it's like this convergence of time and history and space and all of a sudden it's becoming the end thing psychedelics what is what's the shift been what has that shift been i have no idea where like what the catalyst was for like the re-emergence because i don't recall the first round i don't remember i wasn't i I don't remember that uh time back in the 70s because i had just gotten here so i don't know what kicked it off but um now that it's here I want to make sure that black and brown folks aren't left behind again like we were last time. So I don't know why it's here, but it's here and I want to work with it the best <laughs> way that I can. <laughs> so. You're very straightforward, Robin. You're just like, hey, here's what's happening. You hey. know. As I don't know how else to be. So I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the things like I've made it my mission to talk to as many people in the psychedelic space. Unfortunately, there's very few Robins out there that I know of. Um, and I want to speak to more black and brown people in this space, but man, it feels hard to find a lot of people in this space, you know, I know, I know there, I mean, as with every space in this, um, colonized country, um, we're underrepresented, um, and this is no different. Um, but we are out there and we're, we're growing in numbers. Um, a lot of us are underground. So we're just doing our work, but we're doing it very quietly. Um, one, because it is illegal. And you know, two, we're not focused on being seen, but more serving. So we're just kind of focused on mm. that, but we are out there. So 
we're we're trying to bring this work to the communities. And, uh, it's yeah. interesting you how know, many, and, and, and how it's going. You know, the, I, I'm sorry, and I also I think that black and brown folks that are doing this medicine work in this space aren't about doing it bigger and faster and in, in showy the way that the mainstream is. So we're very quiet and like just kind of doing our own thing and building slowly and with intention. And so we aren't as well known as as well noticed as visible, you know, as the mainstream, but we're out here. So Okay, this brings up a very interesting discussion point. Okay. I, I mean I've read I've read your LinkedIn posts. You're pretty frank. You're pretty to the point about stuff. I, I hold, I don't hold back. I am old and, and middle-aged and tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, you're definitely, you're like, boom, here it is. But do you think it is easier for, let's say, white people to be out and talking about psychedelics because they're white versus black people to come out and have these conversations like we're having right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I remember the first, First time I watched um, the Hamilton Morris uh, documentary, what's it called? Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. Yeah. Did you ever see that? I have. Yeah. And I remember there was one section or one episode where he was walking through the, a park with this guy. And they were just picking mushrooms. And then another scene, they were like out on a pier, taking LSD, just out in the open. And I said, let my black ass try that. I could never, I could never, or any black or brown person. So it's very, it's much easier for them. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, I, I feel a lot of fear as a black person when I go and source medicine for my own use, you know, because I know that I am a black person in America that that's getting a, an illegal substance and that could end very badly for me as opposed to um, a white counterpart. There's actually a book I forget the name. Uh, I think it was Islet Waldman, A Very Good Day, a white woman who used microdosing for her mental health. And in the book, she says, I am very clear that I can do this and share this because I am white and because of my privilege. She she named that. And I appreciated that because it's a lot of folks won't acknowledge their privilege and being able to be open about their use of, of these medicines so, or their work. So. Why do you think they won't say that? Because they don't have to. Because what, what is it like? What are they gain from that? They can. They, it's it's so easy with people that have privilege to just enjoy the privilege, you know. Like, what do they gain from from? Yeah, they gain nothing from it. There's no benefit to them. No. I don't know. I don't yeah. know actually. That's tough. It's, I mean, that's, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of tough to hear. You know, it's kind of like I mean, I've heard plenty of white people who are who acknowledge that and who you know they have a good understanding of that. And but uh, it's also difficult when you don't have people who don't recognize that as an inherent advantage of being born mm. into something. You know, it's it's tough when you meet folks that have. Like I get blind spots, I get it. I have my own in, in regard to topics, but like to, to, to meet someone that has no awareness that they do have privilege uh, of some sort in this space is very, um, it's hurtful. It's hurtful, you know, to see that because I don't know, it's just, it hurts and I come across, and I see it a lot in this space. So, so have you had conversations with people who are, uh... <laughs> 
people, you know, non-black and brown people? Have you had conversations with them about this and psychedelic use? And what I, have there been their discussions about it? Yeah, I, I, I do. I actually teach a course about this to white folks that hold space for black folks. Um, and a lot of the times I'm wasting my breath talking to them because I spend two hours teaching and, and they just, there's a, they just don't get it. Some of them do get it and are very open to it. And they, you know, we're on the same page, but a lot of them aren't there and will never be there. And I'm, that's not my fight anymore. I'm focused on serving us now, you know, instead of teaching them I'm stuck because it's a lot of time that wasted doing that or trying to do that because while some were very open, there are a lot we're never going to get there. And that's, that's okay. Not my fight. Yeah. It's, it's, I just, I love this cross section of talking to different people, you know, it was one thing, like I was seeking out someone like you. I wanted to speak because I wanted, I was like, man, I'm talking to, on all honesty, I've talked to nothing but white people about psychedelics. I just, it's just because they're so numerous. They're so numerous. They're out there, like on a LinkedIn, you can type in psychedelics. You can see as many, a sea of white people talking about it, you know, yes. who are doing different things. Um, so it's, it's just very difficult to find someone like me. Uh, but it's interesting that you're telling me how that, at least in the communities you're working with, it's a more quiet thing. And that maybe like this, the publicity is, you're not trying to create more publicity for it. We don't need it. No, that's not our goal. We're here to serve. We're here, but we're here about community and community isn't loud and flashy and big. And, yeah. and it's, we're not about that, you know? Um, and I was so happy to see you reach out because most of my interviews have been with white people, which is fine, but it's right. nice to be able to talk, have these conversations in community, you know, with the folks like yourself. So I appreciate this space. This is, this is meaningful to me. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, when the thing is about it is it's wonderful to have, hey, let's serve other people and let's we don't have to be showy about it. I love that, actually. But then I struggle with the other side of like, hey, how do we get ourselves out there, too, so that people know that this is this is for us, too, at the same time? Right. Know? Yeah, no, I, I love that. And um. One of the people that I, I'm a big fan of and follow her, her teachings is um, Trisha Hersey, the Nat Ministry. And a uh, black woman who's, who's all about um, promoting rest for, for black folks. Um, but her thing is we organized and found community and got the word out before all these apps and social media and cell phones, we knew how to organize grassroots, you know, in community. So that's how I'm building. People find me all the time. Not because of, I'm not a big, like I post on LinkedIn every now and then, and that's all that I do. I don't, I don't promote, I don't have any, uh, what's the word? I don't promote myself. People find me though. So the word is getting out. So I think if I just continue to do what I do, which is, you know, serve a small group, and then that's small group, you know, tells their friends and they tell their friends, that's how word spreads. And that's how we did it, you know, back in the 60s and 70s when we were organizing for, you know, uh, our, our other issues um, yeah. is word of mouth. Yeah. So I think the word's getting out there. It won't be fast, 
um, but it'll be intentional and sustainable and and very solid in the way that we spread the word. So, I was I mean, very Long answer to a no, question. no, it's fine. <laughs> but it's just it's just a very different approach because it's also counterculture to our society in general, which is be seen, be visible, be viral, you know, mm-hmm. con- consumption, consume, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's the that's the problem with this place. I, I they were so focused on consumption and bigger, faster, more. Um, and I, that's not how I want to build this because I see how important this could be for our community, like our, our collective healing. And I just want to, there's no rush to get there. We'll get there, but we have to do it with intention and, you know, build. I don't know. I just don't want, I'm not about the fast with this, you know, that's, that's how they want to do it. They want to build 84 ketamine clinics and serve a million people in two days. Great. I don't want to do that. I want to serve five people well and deeply, and then I want to serve five more well and deeply and go from there. Okay, I have something else. I think this is important to discuss this between us, but also it will get out to other people. And I think importantly, this will be shared with a tremendous amount of people in the psychedelic community. Talk about the healing. You mentioned that the collective healing for our ethnicity, people of our color, black and brown people, Maybe talk about why that's so important, that healing in our community with this medicine. Yeah, I just, we've we've been through so much trauma. Like from the minute that we were brought here, it's just been nothing but trauma. We have ancestral trauma from slavery. We have trauma from now, from, you know, police brutality, from racism. And I think a lot of us are hurting and in pain and um, don't know what to do with that and don't know where it's from, you know, when it, and, and it's from, it's ancestral, it's in, our, it's in our DNA, it's in our genes. And I feel like once we start to um, see that we aren't the problem and it's just the trauma is what's causing all the issues and start to use the medicine to unpack and heal that and, and mend that, we can really make some steps forward in our wellness, you know, as a, as a whole. Because um, we just feel very... Well, I don't know. I can only talk for me. I look at my own family, which is very small. Um, but I'm I'm pretty much the only one left alive. It's just me. Everyone's gone. Um, and they all died very broken, sad, hurt people. Um, you know, and it's just it was just trauma and hurt. And so I want the next generation and the ones after that to not have to go through so much hurt and pain and trauma and not like this, this doesn't have to be carried or passed down in any, any more than it doesn't have to be. So yeah, I want us to have some peace because mm. we've been, um, we've been hurting for a long time. Man, that's powerful. And um, I think what's interesting again, for, for the white people who end up watching this, I think this is important too, is that, you know, when you're black, I, I struggle with this in my life. It's sometimes you, you have this feeling of like, you feel the tension, you know, it's, and sometimes you wonder, especially when you're young, why do I feel this tension? And why do I identify with this so much? And then you realize it's a genetic bond that you have with people of the past, of your ancestry. And you're feeling that tension throughout the ages. And you just, you just identify with it. 
there's a whole book called um, post-traumatic slave syndrome that breaks down like how how the things that happened to our ancestors are carried over in today and it was wild to read that like the way we move now is totally impacted by by stuff that happened back then and it doesn't just go away it's still in our dna you know so that, that's why i say like i think these medicines can help us unlock that that dna trauma that we're still carrying don't even know a lot of this that that's in that's in there so I mean, so is it is it fair to say that maybe psychedelic use and the healing from it maybe while it's important for many people, maybe even more critical and crucial to the healing of black people in general? I think so. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. And I think it's really important for white folks, too, to say, because I feel like they're dealing with their own trauma of like coming from that kind of lineage, that kind of hate, that kind of uh, violence that's in them too. I'm not calling them, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody violent or hate, but I'm saying that that trauma gets passed down the same way our trauma gets passed down. So I think that that, that medicine, these medicine, medicines can help them kind of un, unearth that as well and um, release their own, you know, their own hurt and pain that comes with their ancestral lineage, you know? So different trauma, but I think there's healing needed for on both sides. We could all benefit from a few tabs of acid to be honest. <laughs> I tell you what, that was a very fair assessment yeah. of that. That was very fair. And I think it was, that was very equitable because I agree with that. It's, uh, there's genetic trauma in all forms and that is does not only impact black people it involves all people in many ways and in general this medicine is great for all humans that's the beauty of it it's it's universally amazing for all people yes. and it's time that we put away all this bullshit about how you know this is a schedule one drug this is garbage like it's it's just garbage it's, so you know? it's just silliness it's silliness like we, there's so many powerful stories, so many people who have benefited incredibly. And of course, there's we have to have some caution. There are obviously certain things with psychosis um, and different things that we have to be careful with psychedelics. But in general, most of what we know is extremely positive about it. So what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> you know, I, I have this question every day. I'm like, really? We're doing all like, I'm watching what's happening in Oregon with them trying to um, legalize it mm -hmm. and just reading the 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 what was it, the right the right about like the um the guidelines it was so much so much for for mushrooms this is about mushrooms that grow out this is all of this for mushrooms it's so ridiculous and silly and it's all because they want to control this because it opens up this it opens up this and people that are awake and and aware they they make changes in, in the world and they don't want that. They don't want no change. This was the crux of the 60s and 70s and our big turn away from psychedelics and governmental control and schedule one because you have a population of people who are starting to come awake. This hippie counterculture was like, wait a minute, I can live differently. I don't have to be in this monoculture. I can, I can live on the land and have all this other stuff. And people fear that, especially governments, they fear that. They want to control people to have predictable behavior. 
that is in alignment mm -hmm. with the whatever laws and ideologies with it, you know? It's all about control. Yeah. Control. So I think, yeah, and 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 psychedelics, you know, open up so much and we're <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> they scared and they should be. Right. And then also too, it's psychedelics also confirms generally for a lot of people divinity. It gives them a huge sense of spirituality and a more spiritually conscious, awakened society behaves differently. They just do. You know, so I think there's, there's bigger things at play here. I tell you, I've gotten more from my psychedelic from, from actually one trip than I've gotten from religion, than I've gotten from therapy. And I've done four decades of both. And psychedelics, one trip, I was like, oh, oh, this, this is made up. The truth is, is in here. And that, that scares a lot of people, you know, that they can't control folks with religion or with their westernized ways. Like, it's all silly, my goodness. <laughs> You've gone deep. You've gone deep down the rabbit hole. You've seen you've seen a lot of things. <laughs> I, have, I have seen a few. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just want to I just want to bring folks. I don't know. I want folks to know that there are other ways to do this life thing. It ain't got to be this way. No. It's beautiful. Robin, can you please tell everyone how they can connect with um, your organizations and what you're doing to help black people? Because uh, black people trip, too. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we do. We we out here. We out here. Yes, I can. So you can find me online at um, blackpeopletrip.com. It's my website um, where I have some guides available, resources people can purchase. Um, I teach workshops uh, for Black folks about uh, education, for white folks about how to create safe space. Um, I run the Black Psychedelic Equity Fund to raise money to help Black folks pay for therapy and education. And I'm sure I'm doing more, but that's all that I can think of at the moment. So those are the main things that I'm working on. So, yeah. Thank you, Robin, for your time. I really appreciate speaking with you. It's, it was just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Dr. Parker, thank you. This was so much fun. I enjoyed this. Thank you. <laughs>